It's not going to change because you unenroll for one week or even one semester. We really want to make a commitment because you won't be successful as a homeschool parent either if you have a short-term vision. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the intersection of faith, family, and filmmaking. You're listening to Fearless with Mark and Amber. This is a husband and wife show where we share behind the scenes of our filmmaking ministry, Fearless Features, where we're currently working on a new documentary project called The Mind Polluters. I'm Amber Archer, co-host of this show, and joining me is my husband, business partner, director, author, speaker, Mark Archer. Now I am back (laughs) to talk to you. Oh my gosh. So I'll have to get back to Voltron. Hang on. (laughs) So That was not Voltron. No. We can talk about Voltron. I'm happy to. Okay, you guys, stick with us. So, with over 30 years of combined experience in the motion picture industry, we are creating movies from a biblical perspective about the issues impacting our culture and society and showing the church at work. 1 Corinthians 12, one body, many parts. You can learn more about us and the movies we're making by visiting fearlessfeatures.org. It's also a great place for you to make that one-time or monthly donation to help bring these timely films to the marketplace as we are a 501c3 nonprofit and rely on donations to make these movies and this podcast possible. You become a force multiplier for truth when you partner with us through our nonprofit, Fearless Features. So today... A fun. I am. I was so so super excited. Today we are uh, bringing you an interview that I recently did with Tara Bentley of Indiana Association of Home Educators, mm-hmm. IAHE, and fascinating, fascinating conversation of what I learned about homeschooling. Yes, I learned quite a bit actually listening to it. Yeah. Well, I think I, I was really excited because you know, again, we we are trying to like proactively prepare for after people watch the mind polluters because. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying. Not saying, but I'm not saying. Not saying, just saying. Right, just just saying. I know people are going to need some information, You're and gonna so going to need some duct tape. So we need to keep like bringing people information that they can use. So mm-hmm. that that's our that's that's what we've been up to here lately. But also, you want to give everybody a quick update about the Mind Polluters, our new documentary film about the premature sexualization of children through the classroom. Yes. Okay, go ahead. The Mind Polluters. Uh, we have been, uh, slaving away at the, uh, editing stations. Oh, and it's so exciting. And so we still have a couple of big holes that we have to fill. Uh, but, but we just got, uh, our locations lined up to film the, the, the material missing puzzle missing pieces. pieces. And so. And I'm excited. We are moving forward. We're, we're grateful that we, uh, haven't, had, haven't had any problems with right? that. And so, yeah, it is still moving right along. We're still looking at uh, early November. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially now, knowing knowing the the shoot days. Yeah, we're we're doing we're doing scheduling right now. So. <laughs> yeah, Eek! but it's so exciting. <laughs> okay, so it's been interesting to watch. So we keep an eye on what's happening nationally and locally. There's this mass exodus happening in the public schools, which I th- I mean. If you ask me, I think it's great because why are we sending our children to be indoctrinated and groomed? I, I just I have such a burden on my heart for especially children. Yeah. If you if you can't get your and we understand this, there are there are circumstances where this is very difficult, mm-hmm. if not impossible. But to, to get your kids out right, of public school. To get your school. kids out of public school. But, but use your voice. Yeah, you can do something. You, you have to, at the very least, use your voice. Either get, if you can't get your child into a private school where there's some accountability, 
pull them out of the public school. I mean, I just guarantee wherever you are, you look into the curriculum, you look into what's in the libraries, you will be appalled. Yeah. This is everywhere. Mm -hmm. And parents are just now waking up to it. Well, and especially here in Indiana, a lot of parents are waking up to the obscenity exemptions. Now, we have covered that extensively in detail, especially when, uh, Mark, you were just down at the State House Mm -hmm. earlier this year. Yes. And um, SB 288 to repeal the obscenity exemption. So basically what it says is pornographic material. Obscenity is allowed in public schools and libraries. Yep, it's protected. It is a defense to prosecution right. if it's within a school or a public library. Right. So it's it's been interesting. And you guys, you can go back and listen to that on our, our previous podcast on episodes 60, 61 and 63. I'll leave a link to all three of those in the show notes for you guys to go check out. But today, interestingly enough, um, while we're recording this just yesterday, there was yet another yet another school board meeting where parents are reading these pornographic materials to mm-hmm. the school boards and just just listen to how they respond. After seeing a September 9th school board meeting in Texas on pornography in the schools, I decided to check the titles at my child's school, Fairfax High School. The books were available and we checked them out. Both of these books include pedophilia, sex between men and boys. Both books describe different acts. One book describes a fourth grade boy performing oral sex on an adult male. The other book has detailed illustrations of a man having sex with a boy. The illustrations include fellatio, sex toys, masturbation, and violent nudity. Pedophilia here from the author, Maya Kobabe. Quote, I can't wait to have your in my mouth. I am going to give you the of your life and then I want you inside me, end quote. From the author, Jonathan Evison. What if I told you I touched another guy's What if I told you I I was 10 years old, but it's true. I Doug Goebel's the real estate guy, and he too. This is not an oversight at Fairfax High School. This material, there are children in the audience here. Do not interrupt my time. Do not interrupt my time. I would like to remind everybody. I will stand here until my time is restored and my time is finished. These books are in stock and available in the libraries of Robinson, for high school Langley, students, ma'am. and Annandale High School. Pornography is offensive um, to Clark. all people. It is offensive to common decency. It is the reason why the MPAA. Is our next speaker is. Isn't it interesting how they start? Raising objections. There's children in the room. Uh huh. Yes, and these are books for the children in the room, uh-huh. right? In their um, in their school libraries. In their school libraries. So this is in where Fairfax, Fairfax Virginia. County, Virginia. Um, this reminded me of an incident that happened at the state house. Speaking of SB 288, while you were there, while for we were the there, obscenity exemption. Right. So yours truly was tucked into the corner in the testimony room listening in with a camera rolling to get uh, all of the testimonies for and against repealing the obscenity exemptions. Oh, and it's in the film. And it's in the film, yes. Can't wait for everybody to see it. Yeah, can't wait. And um, right before this happened, so Rhonda Miller and Jennifer McWilliams with Purple for Parents of Indiana had given packets of information to all of the senators. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Um, to help expose, to show them exactly what right. the homework is. So these are examples of homework assignments, right? And things taken out of textbooks for the kids, right? In school, right before everybody started to line up to go in and give their three minutes worth of testimony, a Senate aide came out and basically rebuked Rhonda and Jennifer and Alvin Louie was there. Uh, and a few others and said, you can't read this. You can't read this material on the Senate floor. This is pornographic. <laughs> and obscene material. This is obscene. <laughs> and, and to which they responded, why not? And his response, because this is being live streamed and sometimes students will watch the live stream in their high school classroom. Uh, ding, ding, ding. Ding, ding, ding. But it's okay for, for this to be their homework. Right. Right. Outside of that. <sighs> Yes. So, so with that, so we won't keep you guys, but we just wanted to share more of what's happening around the country. I think more and more parents are waking up to what's, what's going on. Um, and I couldn't be more grateful and thankful to see parents engaging for their children mm -hmm. and others, because it's not just about our children. We're talking about future generations here. I mean, I think everybody's turned a blind eye and buried their heads in the sand for far too long. Mm -hmm. And it's it's time to time to wake up. And everybody has to play their part. And yep. that reminds me of an illustration oh, that's right. that's that right. I was Ultron. sharing this morning. <laughs> okay, so you guys, we get up super early. So you never know what's said at 3 o'clock in the morning. Right. <laughs> so if you're an 80s kid. Wait, and we let's just put it into context. We were talking about 1 Corinthians 12. We were studying it. One body, many parts. Right. Okay, so right. go ahead with your which illustration. Reminds, which reminds me of Voltron. <laughs> Okay, now if you know anything about Voltron, you know that Voltron can't be formed unless all of the lions are there. Right. Right. And each of the lions has somebody inside it. They So they, it's like. You know, I'm, I know I'm going to have to go and find around. some sort of YouTube clip to leave in the show you notes. You have to watch the original Voltron. Don't watch this travesty. Netflix got a hold of it. Oh, and no. And they started making new Voltron. Oh, and no. I didn't no, know and that. they made one of the characters gay. Oh, my gosh. Of course. Of course. Because that's what Reed Hastings loves to do. He's uh -huh. the CEO of Netflix, and he's a pervert. Anyway. However, Voltron is a is a fabulous example for us Gen Xers, <laughs> right? To remember that to, in order to in order to defeat whatever scourge is trying to rule the universe, uh -huh. they all have to come together to form Voltron, right? <laughs> and then I was laughing. I said, I would hate no. to be the guy in the foot, <laughs> right? The blue lion. <laughs> the blue lion. <laughs> Why do I have to be in the foot, right? But doesn't First Corinthians say, "Can the hand say to the foot, Why the I, don't, I don't need you'?'" Yeah. And see, and so if you're if you're talking to someone and they just don't have any idea how to comprehend scripture. You can always put it in Voltron terms. Oh, gosh. One body, many parts. All the lions have to come together <laughs> to form Voltron to defeat the scourge of the universe. <laughs> and that is my lesson for the day. Okay. Okay. We are going to move on from story time with Mark. <laughs> Voltron. Let's, let's get to Tara. Tara has some great information to share with us today. So, you guys, we are going to pick it up with my interview that I did with Tara Bentley. Well, Tara, thank you so much for joining me today. I am excited to share with our listeners everything about your organization and how you're helping 
homeschoolers, uh, not in Indiana especially, but homeschooling is exploding across the nation. Could you tell us about your organization? Absolutely. My name is Tara Bentley, and I am the executive director for the Indiana Association of Home Educators, um, commonly referred to as IAHE, although that's a lot of vowels to say quickly, so it gets um, messed up a lot. But our organization has been here in Indiana serving homeschool families since 1983. And 1983 is commonly referred to as kind of the birth of the modern um, homeschool movement. Obviously, home education always existed, always, always, always. Um, But 1983 is when a lot of Christians especially started looking at it as a way to preserve um, the Christian worldview, to disciple their children and bring them home out of public education. Mm -hmm. So we've been here doing that in Indiana. Since 1983, there are many other state organizations that started about that same time. So I'm sure you've got listeners well beyond Indiana. And if they're looking for their state organization, I'll just point them directly to homeschoolfreedom.com is a website that um, we're affiliated with where they can find their state organization. So um, but we we do a lot of things. We have regional representatives across the state who will help answer questions for families, help get them started, help get them connected um, to local resources. We've done that for decades. Uh, we have a magazine. Um, we have had a an annual convention, although obviously we haven't been in the position to do that since the pandemic, um, <laughs> right? <laughs> but we're hopeful that someday we'll get back to doing that. Um, we're looking forward to a different kind of event next year. We're actually partnering with Answers in Genesis and the Ark Encounter. Yay, in we love them. Oh, we are so excited. So that's going to be a great event. So our goal is to encourage, protect, and serve homeschool families. And so there's just so many ways that we do that because I could talk nonstop about that. But we also work, we protect uh, families legislatively. We watch bills, we lobby, we train families on how to connect with their legislators. Uh, we provide resources on and on. So, and you, you touched on many, many different things that I wanted to talk about this morning, especially, but one of the things you don't just serve the Christian community, right? We are a Christian organization, which means we have a Christian board of directors and, um, you know, our organization is full of Christians, but we serve anyone. Um, We know that there are a lot of families who don't necessarily start homeschooling with a Christian perspective, and we're still here to help answer questions. And we routinely help families who are having trouble even withdrawing their their children from public schools. There's a lot of Mm -hmm. misinformation, a lot of overreach by public schools. And, you know, we will help you get your child out. And we're not going to ask, you know, what denomination you are, what faith you are. (laughs) Right. We're going to help you get started. So absolutely, we are a Christian organization, but we will serve anyone who wants help. So walk me through the process. Somebody reaches out to you because... And um, as you know, we, we kind of had a little bit of, of conversation before the show, and you're familiar with our new documentary, The Mind Polluters, which exposes the, the comprehensive sex ed and social emotional learning in the schools. And I thought it was so important that I wanted to speak to you and other people. I mean, I, I have other homeschool moms that I want to get on here just so that they can share their experiences of homeschool. But I because I think that people first, they're going to be shocked. 
if once you watch the mind polluters, you're going to be in shock if you don't actually um, have a good view of what is happening in the public school system. And so people are going to panic and and it's like, we need somewhere to, to help them. And that's where you guys come in and are a great asset to helping families. So someone calls you, what's, how does, how does this all work? Well, here in Indiana, we have one of the freest um, states. So, so we're very grateful. We are very, very happy that we have very low regulation here in Indiana, but we're going to start by, first of all, asking you how old your child is. If your child has never been enrolled in public education, then it's pretty simple. You can just start and we will help answer your questions along the way. There is no registration in Indiana for homeschools. It doesn't even exist. So there's nothing you need to do um, in regards to the state at all. Now, if your child has been enrolled in school, then the first step is to withdraw them. And we want to make sure that you do that just so that you don't run into any truancy issues. The school is responsible for knowing where a child goes when it, when they leave their building. And rightly so. You know, if a family, if the school has been responsible for a child, they should know when they're no longer there, where did they go? There is no process outlined in Indiana code of exactly how they have to withdraw. So we do have best practices. We recommend that families send a withdrawal letter and email it as well. You might as well do both, cover your bases to let them know where your child is going to go. And just be very clear that you are planning to homeschool. Don't try to use the word transfer. Don't try to use, you know, fancy language. We're going to transfer to a private school because then they're going to want to know what school and they're just going to keep asking questions. So you have the right to homeschool here in Indiana and just let them know that you're going to do that. I saw and I saw on a couple of threads that people were having problems withdrawing their students and that they were having to sign um, tell the school which homeschool organization they were signing up with. Is that what is what is that? Very often it's going to be misinformation. Now there is one additional criteria. If your child is in high school, mm-hmm. a high school student must or a parent must sign a form that says that they plan on continuing this child's education. Because obviously we do have compulsory school um, age attendance laws. So mm-hmm. if your child is in ninth through 12th grade, there is a state provided form that must also be completed. And and a lot of times people, you know, we, you get, if you had a hard time with your school, it gets a little bit tenuous where you don't necessarily want to sign anything else. Right. But if they're in high school, you do have to sign that form. Um, and again, then it, there is misinformation, especially since the pandemic started, because so many schools started branching out into virtual programs. So mm-hmm. they are offering virtual public education, which is still going to have the full agenda and standards of public education. Right. But that's where they want to push families because they'll still get some portion of funding. And very often these schools will use the term homeschooling because they don't realize that there's a difference between education that just happens to occur at home versus home education, which is a privately funded um, entity in Indiana. So there is just, it can be very confusing. Um, You know, we are specifically identified in code as non-public, non-accredited, and the schools, they like to use the word homeschooling because they have an at-home option. So 
very often you just have to keep the communication going with your school district because it it's they're under a lot of pressure. So just yeah. try to figure out, is it miscommunication versus overreach? Well, and another thing you just said was funding. Can I know that there was this trend going around. Everybody was going to pull their kids out of school on a, I don't remember which day it was here in September for count day. Um, right. And then I'm not sure, has it actually gotten moved to December? Are they even still doing count day, what's what's happening with that scenario? So in a normal year, there are two count days in a school year, and it's written in Indiana code. And basically the schools take attendance on those two days, one of each semester, um, and it, it calculates how much funding the school is going to get for the overall year. So even before the pandemic, those were pretty important days and schools would really focus on them to get as much attendance as many kids in seats as possible on those two days. This year, that was scheduled for September 17th. And so we did see this huge push um, from families who are very upset about the agenda happening in their public school, but they weren't quite willing to walk away. So there were a lot of conversations happening on social media about pulling your children out for the week of count day to affect their funding and then to re-enroll them. And for us as a homeschool community, that kind of puts um, it puts us in jeopardy because it looks like the family's going to walk in, claim to homeschool them, keep them at home for one week and put them right back in just to hit the schools in the pocketbook, which I understand how angry parents are. They're mm-hmm. absolutely angry. But in the end, what they would be doing is basically punching holes in their own lifeboat because they're planning mm-hmm. on going right back in. So what changed is that as it was getting closer to the 17th and COVID numbers have been spiking, obviously, and many schools have had to put either students in quarantine or shut down temporarily. And the numbers on one particular day don't necessarily reflect the true reality of the number of students that they may be serving this semester. So For many reasons, the Department of Education, along with several legislators, um, came up with a plan and it will be proposed legislation for the next session to do more of an average of the entire semester. So and and next session doesn't actually start until January, correct? Correct. But Mm -hmm. there's really no reason to think that it will not pass. Right. Um, It's very, you know, it's it's going to be, you know, you. You never want to call anything a slam dunk, but there would be no reason really for anyone to vote against this. Um, So it's very likely that, again, this is a solution for the schools because it's it's bigger than families who are upset with just the agenda that's going on. So so technically 2021 count day is still the 17th of September. From the way that, you know, our team has read it, it will basically be an average of enrollment from the beginning of your school year, which many families that was, or many school districts that was August up until December 31st. They're just trying you. to loop in all of the students who have been enrolled during that semester. Great, that that answers and clarifies a lot of things that I was reading online and going, okay, well, I don't understand right, <laughs> what's happening. Right. So, So that's good to know. So understanding those things, and even for people who have children in the public school system who are who are still paying attention to what's going on, they need to be paying attention to the legislative session 
come January? Well, they do. But more importantly, I think what we have seen, which I think is the far more important piece, is not to try to defund your school district. It is to vote. You know, your school board is is you need to educate them. And we have seen, I know you have seen a lot of people trying to educate their school board members. And that is what is important. It, it is, you know, defunding the school district. You only effectively do that if you actually decide to homeschool, if you actually go for the long haul, right? Like you really, if you really think that there's a problem in your school district, you really do need to walk away. It's not going to change because you unenroll for one week or even one semester. We you really want to make a commitment because you won't be successful as a homeschool parent either if you have a short-term vision, right? right. To do what is best for your child. Um, we have always promoted that you should make a commitment for at least one year. Um, and I, w- I want to be clear. I was a t- I was going to be a temporary homeschooler. I didn't, my daughter started off in public school. Um, she was in public school through sixth grade. And in 2001, um, no one was more shocked than I was when I realized this was not working and we were going to homeschool, but it was going to be super temporary. And in my mind, that was two years. I thought it was temporary to do it for two years but I absolutely intended on putting her back in public school. And, but you have to have that longer, you have to do it longer because it's hard. Homeschooling is not easy. It's not the easy path, right? To to say, I'm going to be the teacher, the lunch lady, the bus driver, the guidance counselor, and the principal. I'm going to be all these things and mom at the end of the day. So it's hard and you don't do hard fast. Right. So you have to commit. So this is this is really interesting because I didn't know your backstory and homeschooling. So how many years have you have you homeschooled? And do you just have one child or multiple? So I have two girls and uh-huh. they are both homeschool graduates now. So my oldest was in public school through sixth grade. So seventh through twelfth. And then my youngest, they're seven years apart. Um, she did go to preschool for a couple of months. I call her my preschool dropout because we decided very quickly, oh, wait a minute, I can, I can do this. I can do yeah. this. So it is a little easier to start when you're in those pre-K years than diving in, um, in seventh grade, but we did it. And, you know, just within the first couple of years, we realized it was totally worth it. That first year was hard. I, you know, I don't ever want to tell anyone that it's all rainbows and puppies and um it's hard especially I'm sorry we live in Indiana and winter is cold it's dark (laughs) (laughs) you're in that post-holiday slump yes for a lot of families who are you know maybe in and if you're doing it now there's a pandemic on top of it right Yeah. yeah yeah so 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 what what how did you decide what was it that really you said this is it what what triggered what triggered that for you and your family? Well, you know, for, I think for what a lot of families find the same thing is that, wow, you get your family back. You actually are spending time as a family. You actually are spending time with your children. Um, and it's not, it's not just about the academics. It's about family life and letting your family be the most important thing and training your children. 
My mm-hmm. husband worked retail the most of you know our homeschool years. And so he wasn't working a Monday through Friday, nine to five, and the kids would be in school at the same time. We could do school when he was working and take off when he wasn't working. So it is, there's a lot of things, but that I think is one of the biggest benefits, you know, being able to go together as a family to all the things we did life together in a way that we had never done it before. And, you know, and also it's the other puzzle piece was just actually being able to choose textbooks that reflected our worldview, like picking up history books and science books that actually, you know, spoke truth of what we knew God said was true. Mm -hmm. And it just, it just was eye opening. And, you know, spend some time around some homeschool families and you realize, oh, wait, these are my people. These are my people. (laughs) You don't have to wear a denim jumper to hang out with them. It's okay. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And it's so fascinating that you keep coming back to worldview because that is one of like, that's what it boils down to in the end. I mean, even, even through the mind polluters at the end of the mind polluters, we have a whole section on worldview. I picked up George Barna's um, worldview report for America. And I think if for anybody who doesn't know, I'm just going to, let me just quickly tell people what worldview is. I, I thought George Barna just, he described it so great. He says, you might even be wondering what worldview is. Simply put, it is the multidimensional filter, the intellectual, emotional, and spiritual through which you make every decision. Every decision in your life is a direct result of your worldview. And that filter is most evident when it comes to the big decisions you make every day, morally, relationally, vocationally, financially, sexually, religiously, and lifestyle choices that we regularly make without even realizing that our worldview was the basis of our final decision. And I, and I, like, I read that and I thought, okay, I, it really boils down to worldview and everybody has it. And even through his, through his study. And he says that um, a person's worldview is primarily formed between 15 months and 13 years of age. Right. <laughs> what, key, what key years and imagine yeah. being able to get that time back, you know, you mm-hmm. double or triple the time and the influence that you have with your children when they're home with you. Yes. And, you know, we, have bought into as a world, um, even as a church, we bought into this lie that, oh, I'm supposed to send my good children to school to be salt and light. Wait a minute. They're not adults. They're children. Right. And the Bible never tells us to sacrifice our children for the world. Right. Right. I mean, it's our job as adults. And so our children are not called to be salt and light. We are. And to sacrifice our young, young children, to send them into a place that is, does not reflect our worldview or what we want for our children. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, a lot of us, I, I bought it. I'm not, you know, I, I, we all do. I bought it. We all do. <laughs> so once you get out, I do think that if you commit to getting past the hard part, you will begin to see so many different ways that make it worth it. So that's all the time we have for today. If our mission and ministry resonates with you, please consider supporting our work financially with a tax-deductible donation. The easiest way to do that is through online giving. It's easy to use, and most of all, it's secure. Visit fearlessfeatures.org. Let your light shine, friends. Have a wonderfully blessed day. We will talk to you again next Tuesday.